Welcome to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 9, Episode 180, God Rewards Persistence in Prayer. Persistence is not pestering to God. I'm reading a new book, A Simple Guide to Experiencing Miracles by J.P. Moreland, that was released by Zondervan on November 16, 2021. It's a brand new book. It's life-changing, and I highly recommend it. Moreland is an American philosopher, theologian, and Christian apologist. He currently serves as a distinguished professor of philosophy at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University in La Miranda, California. He's conservative in his approach to miracles, but does a great job emphasizing that it's time for the church to get back to reality and to embrace miracles. I agree with Moreland that, quote, while most Bible-believing Christians retain a mild doctrinal belief in the supernatural and miracles, they live as practical atheists with very little expectations of seeing the miraculous, end quote. Real, tangible, answered prayers equals the miraculous. Most people don't recognize the miracles that God does in their midst every day, and they sure aren't expecting any miracles of biblical proportions. David Byrne, singer-songwriter for his rock group, The Talking Heads, had a hit song some time ago called Once in a Lifetime. According to David Byrne's own words, this song is about how we as people tend to operate half awake or on autopilot. Or perhaps a better way of explaining that statement is that we do not actually know why we engage in certain actions which come to define our lives. So even though an individual may fulfill certain aspirations, such as acquiring a large automobile, a beautiful house, or a beautiful wife, all these things are mentioned in the song, at the end of the day, he may find himself questioning how in fact did he reach such a destination, a wandering, aimless life. It's interesting, at the very end of the song, and this is a phrase that has stuck in my mind all this time, because it really is a commentary on our society, and that's how I've seen it. And unbeknownst to me, it matches with what Byrne had as his intentions on the song. He ends the song with this phrase that he says over and over, same as it ever was, same as it ever was, same as it ever was, same as it ever was. And he says this over and over and over. But what a great commentary on our society and the church. Same as it ever was. Nothing new and exciting here, folks. No overt works of the Holy Spirit of God manifested in our midst. Same old, same old. God wants more from me and you than to just muddle through life, same as it ever was. He wants to manifest His miracle-working power in our lives and the lives of people around us. Moreland makes a very good point that if you remove all of the passages in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that refer to miracles of Jesus or demonic possession and deliverance, you will not have much left regarding the story of Jesus' life. Moreland does a marvelous job of explaining how the Church of Jesus Christ became so detached from the reality and manifestations of miracles, which I won't go into here. We don't have the time. I would highly encourage you to read the book and to hear his explanation. His explanation and historical chronicle of the path to this wasteland of faithlessness and powerlessness is clear and accurate. What matters to me is we get back now We and the world that God loves needs to see the overt love and power of God in action in our world now. In the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8, Jesus reveals something about our Heavenly Father, faith, persistence, and prayer 
in the most unusual way by using the antithesis of himself to drive home a huge truth about himself. Luke writes in chapter 18 regarding the parable of the persistent widow. Now he told them a parable, that's Jesus, told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. He says, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus lays out the truth clearly. When his elect cry out to him for justice, he does not delay but swiftly grants it. Yet right up front, just as his kingdom was getting underway, he foretold what the response of his elect would be to this fantastic promise. No persistence in prayer and faithlessness. But it does not have to be this way. Let's go back and do what Jesus said. Listen to what the unjust judge says. The judge said, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Jesus reveals to us the judge's self-speak, his internal conversation with himself, that his granting of justice for the woman was self-motivated. Then Jesus draws a contrasting parallel that reveals that if the outcome was such for this injured widow before a narcissistic judge, where she gained the strength and force of the court on her behalf, then how much more will God do on behalf of his elect? Jesus uses the Greek word eklektos from which our English word elect is transliterated. It means this is powerful. It means to choose, to select, to prefer. Hey, we're in God's posse because he wants us here. So why the neglect and disrespect towards his amazing promises? A quick look at the antonyms to persistence will reveal to us the causes of impersistence in prayer and not asking God for help. Friend, the woman needed help. We need help. Antonyms of persistence, doubt, incertitude, indetermination, uncertainty, aversion, disinclination, indisposition, reluctance, unwillingness, hesitation, indecision, indecisiveness, irresoluteness, irresolution, vacillation. If you had someone sit in your office seeking a job and on the resume under qualifications they had listed just some of the above antonyms, you would cut the interview short and move on to the next employee candidate. Yet many who claim to be Christians live their lives in these modes and then wonder why their lives are the way they are, tattered, torn, wounded, abused, hurt, powerless, etc. Always the victim, never victorious. But what does persistence in prayer look like? Doggedness, obduracy, obduriteness, obstinacy, obstinateness, persistence, 
persistency, stubbornness, tenaciousness, tenacity, decidedness, decision, decisiveness, determination, determined-mindedness, firmness, granite, purposefulness, resoluteness, resolution, resolve, stick to One of the youth pastors who had a tremendous impact on my life as a teenager, his name is Keith Moore. Keith is still alive. He's older than me, not that much, but he was ahead of me and he was an influence to me. And one of the biggest things Keith Moore taught me is, Kenny, you need to develop stick to That's the very words he used. This is the word, the synonym used by Webster, stick to Certainty, certitude, confidence, sureness, alacrity, eagerness, gameness, readiness, backbone, fortitude, grit, iron, pluck, sand. Friend, this is what God honors in prayer. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22, Jesus said, Have faith in God, Jesus said to them. Truly, I tell you that if anyone says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and has no doubt in his heart, but believes that it will happen, it will be done for him. And friend, I want to ask you something. Do you think he was kidding? Was he being hyperbolic? Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Kenny, ah, 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 the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has gotten into you. No, friend, it has not. But I'm telling you that what has gotten into me, especially in these wicked days in which we live, is that there is a God in heaven. This is his world. He cares. He stands ready and willing to answer our prayers if we will only cry out to him. And if we will cry out to him with persistence to say, like Jacob, that I will not let you go until you bless me. And I tell you, for all of Jacob's flaws, he's one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. I'm looking forward to meeting him someday. But for all of his flaws, what you can say about Jacob is that he was a massive leader for God. Why? Because he was tenacious. He knew who he had a hold of that night that he wrestled with the angel of the Lord in prayer. Friend, I remind you, and I've done a podcast on this in the past, but the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is the pre-incarnate Christ. It is the second person of the Trinity. Or he is the second person of the Trinity. I'm sorry, not he's not an indefinite pronoun. He is he. And that the person that Jacob wrestled with is the pre-incarnate Christ. He knew who he had a hold of, and he knew that he needed what Jesus had. And he would not let go of him until he blessed him. And God honored his request, and God honored his tenacity. Now, yes, what, what did he do? He struck him on the thigh so that it said for the rest of his life, that, that Jacob's leg, which became disjointed, he walked with a limp. And it had the mark on him that he had been with Christ and he had prevailed through the night wrestling with Jesus. Can you imagine? That'd make a fantastic book title, wouldn't it? That's mine if you copyright it. Wrestling with Jesus and prevailing. You see, God loves this. He wants us to prevail with him in prayer. Friend, now is the time to take Jesus at his word. Go before him in persistent, relentless prayer. As Moreland points out, when we do that, we demonstrate our dependence on God, which is exactly what he wants. It's how he made us to function best. And friend, as I say that, it comes to my mind 
that a lot of the time, the reason why we are not persistent in prayer and why we don't wrestle all night with God in prayer and why we don't hang on to Jesus instead of letting go is because why? We want to be independent. And yet man cannot be successful in independence. We are created by God to be dependent on Him. And persistence in prayer manifests that we understand that truth. We can't do this without Him. He wants us to cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. Our persistence in prayer is not annoyance to Him, but close communion with those He has chosen, those people He prefers. Thank God He loves us and wants us up in His face, just like a child to a father. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.